Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. This is a no-frills, no-editing, no-production podcast. We're doing one uh, in San Antonio, Texas, where we're Gerard Martinez, uh, at GMart Live on Twitter, and myself, we're down here in San Antonio for the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, covering uh, the, the USC prospects that are here, five, four commits and a bunch of other prospects. So we're here doing this in our hotel room, wanted to do a kind of quick and dirty podcast, answering all of your questions and Talk about what's been going on. So I want to welcome in Gerard Martinez. What's up, Gerard? How are you doing? Doing good. Um, another week uh, full of news, both recruiting and team-wise. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth, keeping our eye on the practice field here with the West team uh, for the U.S. Army All-American game and keeping our ear back home, uh, seeing, uh, obviously, Clay Helton um, in the process of making multiple coaching hires. Uh, so we're seeing that fill out, and, and obviously that's going to impact the recruiting trail. So it's a little bit of both that we're doing here. Maybe we'll start with that because there's a lot of Clancy Pendergast talk, and there were some rumors and reports that he had turned USC down a couple of times. We had heard that from multiple places, um, you know. But a, about a week ago or so, we were saying it looks like he's going to be the guy. Uh, one of our insiders on the board, Evan Lampard, was, was nice enough to post last night saying it's a done deal. We've been hearing that as well. Um, there's some other reports and stuff out there. What, what, what do you think about Clancy Pendergast and what's going on? Yeah, um, you know, let's go back to the the sort of uh, the, the the point of when this sort of kind of became the story. It was interesting because you know there was some talk about Clancy Pendergast being a guy that Clay Helton wanted to talk to uh, immediately, and it was obvious. You know, it was obvious right. because he was a guy that knew uh, Clancy Pendergast. Uh, Clay Helton had a little bit of a relationship there in 2003 when he coached there. And obviously, Clancy Pendergast had success at USC. So it was kind of an obvious uh, prospect as a coaching candidate. And so, you know, we kind of were listening and, and we got a real good source that actually had told us flat out. And this was the weekend of the Pac-12 championship game. Clancy had been offered. Clay has talked to Clancy and Clancy was offered the job and Clancy turned the job down. Basically paraphrasing, thanks but I really want to stay in the NFL and I want to exhaust those options before I think about going back to college coaching. And so that came and went. It was actually reported by a couple other sources that he had been talked to and he had been offered the job and wanted to stay in the NFL. And we kind of thought, well, that's probably that. And USC is going to have to start looking at other options. And as a week, about a week and a half went by, we started hearing that USC really was going after Clancy. And Clancy was sort of to Clay Helton, what Clay Helton was to Pat Hayden. He was the guy. He was the candidate from the jump. And sure enough, uh, a lot of talk around the other candidates kept coming back to Clancy Pendergast's name. So, you know, continuing to kind of follow up with Clancy Pendergast, uh, we end up here in, uh, I think it was Wednesday that actually the, the first news broke actually came from Scott Wolf, And I know USC fans have this love-hate relationship with Scott Wolf, probably more hate than love. And he definitely, I think, likes to kind of play that angle and uh, be the contrarian and sort of be, uh, you know, controversial with some of the things he says. But give credit where credit is due. The night of the Holiday Bowl, he actually put out the first story that sources say that Clancy Pendergast is expected to take the USC defensive coordinator job. And so I immediately uh, followed up back with my sources and, um, you know, wanted to see, hey, you know, is this moving more in a direction? I mean, it seemed like he was still definitely a candidate. And he seems like he was still definitely the number one candidate. And sure enough, they said, yes, he, he's changed his mind. 
we expect him to take that job. And that was happening inside Heritage Hall, and it was actually happening outside Heritage Hall. The people that were involved or close to the search uh, and just basically the, the coaching hire uh, process had, had, had confirmed that, yeah, he had changed his mind, and he was still offered the job, and it was still there. And now, you know, people want to argue about semantics and what does the offer mean? You know, was it really Clay giving him a written offer? Was it a verbal offer? He turned down the job immediately when it was first offered. Uh, but then I think with the 49er situation and probably just, you know, a little bit of recruiting by USC and kind of, you know, Clay Helton continuing to be relentless and really um, – Wanting, you know, Clancy Pendergast. Sometimes the coach just wants to be wanted, and there's a negotiation process. I think, you know, just played itself out. And from what we understand today and what we are still hearing now is that uh, he is expected to take the job. Now, has he signed the deal? Have not heard that yet. I, yeah. I actually have not heard it, it is is complete. Um, at this point, it seems like it's a formality and, and that it's it's a, at very least a handshake agreement at this point. Um, but it sounds like he will be the defensive coordinator at USC. Now, what does that mean? You know, to, to kind of go back to your original question in terms of recruiting, in terms of scheme. We don't know yet if he's going to run a 4-3 or 3-4. It seemed like USC has been recruiting more for 4-3 defense this past couple months. Uh, but Pen- the Lancey Pendergast has coached actually both a 34 and a 43 defense. Really, to, 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 to be, I guess, accurate, he has coached a 34, but really using more of a 43 schematically gap assignment defense. What I mean there is that while it's a three-man front and you'll have three defensive linemen down and you'll have two semi-stand-up outside linebackers, truth be told is that their gap assignments are really more like a 4-3 under. That's what he did at USC uh, you know, back in 2013 with Ed Erdron. Ed Erdron really helped run that front. So you know, we're going to see the continuation of how this impacts the recruiting trail and the defensive line hire. You know, that's the next big hire. You've got Neil Calloway, the offensive line hire, done. Now everybody's eyes turn to the defensive line hire and how uh, that goes in terms of that guy as a recruiter and obviously that guy as a motivator and a coach for the defensive line that's in place right now. All right. Um, so, yeah, we'll get no official word from USC. We're expecting that to happen. Like Gerard said, don't think that paperwork has been signed or anything. We'll see kind of what's going He's on He's still under contract, or it's it, at least uh, we assume with the 49ers. And right. so there's those formalities and that kind of paperwork, and the bean counters have to um, approach that carefully because USC doesn't want to have to buy him out if he's but already he can, he can leave. Like for the NFL assistant coach, you can leave to go to a college job. Like there might be an issue coming back. It would be harder for him under contract. I think it's. I think you have to have to do something to be able to go to another NFL job. But it looks like the the path is clear for that. So okay, yeah, yeah. we'll see what happens there. Uh, all right. Well, I want to talk about why we're here at the Army Bowl. Um, got to see you know four USC commits uh, practice the last couple of days. There's some injuries and stuff there, but maybe kind of get your thoughts on what those four guys have been looking like and what's going on there. Yeah, certainly uh, the wide receiver position got a lot of attention from us. You've got three commits there, Tyler Vaughn's. Trevon Sidney and Michael Pittman. The news, obviously, yesterday coming from Michael Pittman breaking his collarbone. Uh, interesting because, you know, it was one of those things that during practice it didn't necessarily look like it was a severe injury of any sort. Uh, it happened. It was towards the end of practice. And he walked off the field on his own power, wasn't really in a lot of pain. It didn't look like it. And uh, lo and behold, 
turns out that he actually broke his collarbone. He hurt his hand actually the day before. So the assumption was he hurt his hand again. He uh, actually jammed his uh, thumb, uh, but he ends up breaking his collarbone. What that does with his spring ball uh, prospects remains to be seen. I know people have talked about the collarbone. If it's a clean break, it can be, you know, six to eight week injury. He should be able to be back for spring ball. I look at it in the context that he's a true freshman coming in at USC and USC tends to be very cautious with injuries for spring ball. I mean, guys have hangnails and they're out there on rehab, rehab island not playing. <laughs> So I don't know that they're going to push him very much. I would be surprised if he's scrimmaging and out there 100%. I I could see him out there in limited capacity just going through the plays and and really watching more than participating. So that is a big deal and probably the biggest news of the week for USC. You also had Tyler Vaughn, who's played played pretty well. He's been very involved playing outside, playing a little inside receiver. Um, he's kind of come down with a little bit of a cold, so he wasn't 100% yesterday. Uh, Trevon Sidney, also not 100%. Trevon Sidney kind of re-aggravating an ankle injury that he had during the spring. He also had an injury with his hamstring during the season that uh, limited to uh, only a certain amount of games for his senior season. So he's had an injury bug really for the past year. Hasn't really been able to shake it. Don't know how much he's going to be able to contribute for the game. He was gimpy yesterday and didn't really participate in a lot of reps. Um, so the receiver position has definitely been those three guys and the big news being about Pittman. Um, so we all got to see uh, Frank Martin, too, from modern day, the offensive lineman. They, really not a lot of one-on-one kind of stuff. I mean, he looked no. you know, kind of big out there playing some left and right tackle, but he's the other USC commit out there. That was really the only news from Tuesday is that he actually played a little left tackle and right tackle. You know, he's playing left tackle because they need depth and they need to make sure if they have an injury and somebody goes down uh, at uh, left tackle that he's able to go in there and play. Um, The guys that are playing left tackle are also playing right tackle. It's just an all-star game, limited numbers. That's why they do that. It looks like he'll probably start at right tackle. Like you said, we haven't really seen a whole lot from the offensive and defensive line in terms of one-on-ones. Uh, really, in terms of one-on-ones, what they're doing more is running run-fit drills. And so it's it's a little more of uh, the the whole defensive line against the whole offensive line and them kind of trying to run the ball. Uh, you know, we did see Jordan Elliott, the Houston defensive tackle, uh, who has uh, really been really good this week. He says that he's not going to officially visit USC, not looking at USC anymore. Uh, the firing between Sarkeesian and Chris Wilson, the defensive line hire uh, that USC had, has now kind of uh, really kind of put him back on just, you know, staying committed to Michigan. Says he's not going to visit Texas either, but uh, you get the sense like maybe Texas still has a chance with him. Um, but uh, for USC, really. Not a lot going on the defensive line, and I know people don't want to hear that. They want to hear you know, USC's recruiting you know, 18 defensive linemen in the class. Um, those guys are not here this week. Uh, it's going to be some guys that uh, are going to be more you know, three-star guys, more development guys um, that they've offered just in recent weeks. It's not going to be uh, a ton of big-time, five-star, Army All-American type guys that they're going to bring in this year. It's just the, just the position the program's in right now, and... You know, you still got, like I said, coaching changes. We got to see what happens with this defensive line coach. I don't want to say that it's impossible that they bring in somebody that maybe is a big name because you never know. They could hire a defensive line coach that has this inside connection with one of the top defensive linemen nationally that USA, USC may not right now, present day, have a great shot at. But it doesn't feel like it's going to head in that direction. We'll see what happens. Um, there are a couple of big names, though, that are interested in USC. Uh, cornerback, um, 
Why am I blanking? On <laughs> Byron, Byron Murphy is Byron Mur- is, yeah. is, is uh, been very good this week. Uh, he's the five eleven, hundred seventy five pound cornerback from Scottsdale, uh, Arizona. Uh, but he has USC third right now on his list. It's really ASU, Texas A and M, and then USC. Uh, ASU is definitely the team to beat. It seems like that's been the team to beat really for the past few months. Felt like it was. ASU when everybody was saying Texas A&M. Texas A&M's got a lot of questions right now, you know, with the transfers out, some guys have decommitted. The recruits are starting to look at that and starting to question what's going on in Texas A&M. They're still in there, obviously. USC's in third, but USC's not in a bad place because they don't have a defense. Well, now they have a defensive coordinator, but they don't have a defensive backs coach. With the addition of Clancy Pendergast, we believe they're going to actually hire a secondary coach, probably a corners coach, um, to go with that. So, uh, you know, when Clancy Pendergast was here in 2013... It was just him as a defensive backs coach. Right. That was when Lane Kiffin had two offensive line coaches, so you couldn't have another defensive coach. Right now, we see it, it really seems to be that they're going to want to have Pendergast coach defensive backs and then have another defensive backs coach. So Pendergast can coach defensive backs and kind of roam as well, like Justin Wilcox did. So I think they'll have another defensive backs coach, and that will kind of go a long ways uh, in helping them with uh, with Byron Murphy. And he's going to take his official visit. January 15th to USC, and he's going to turn around. He's going to announce his commitment January 18th. So it'll be a quick turnaround for him, but if USC can hit it out of the ballpark with their official visit, uh, they'll be the last school that really gets in his ear. So he's definitely a, a big guy. Um, Jack Jones is the other big-time you know, five-star everybody wants to talk about in the defensive backfield. Yeah. Um, you know, He talked about USC early in the week, said – you know all the right things. It definitely seems like USC still in a very good position to land him. Um, you know he's going to look at Texas A and M. He's going to look at uh, Alabama. He's going to look at a few different schools. The feel still seems like if it, he's USC's to lose, um, probably wants to stay in the West Coast. And you know he's the one guy that is at that cornerback position that USC seems to be in a good position with. Uh, everybody else is kind of sort of developing local talent. Uh, local prospects, guys like Control Love, committed still to Washington. Maybe some some other cornerbacks out there that don't have offers right now that may get offers, um, or just getting someone out of left field uh, that may be flying under the radar out of state. Um, well, there's lots of updates on USCFootball.com from from the USR Maryland All American Bowl. Spit that out. Uh, so you can check that out on the site. We got uh, highlight videos of Michael Pittman because he's out. You know, not going to play. Obviously, so we got all the video we have of him. Over three minutes of highlights from him. We got video interviews with Devin Asiasi and Devin Asiasi, another yeah. another guy that you know we talked to, and you know you got to check out the video interview because it, it's video interviews sometimes are not great, just depending on you know how the kid articulates himself and what he has to say, and sometimes they sh- they really give you a lot. It's it's you know you kind of get to see what the kid is saying, how he says it, how he responds to a question, what the, 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 the body language is when he responds to the question. The Devin Asiasi video, I think, goes a long ways towards kind of reading between the lines and in, in his recruitment. And, um, you know, he would be a very big get for USC. 6'4", 270 pounds, runs really well, catching the ball extremely well out here. I don't think people are giving him enough credit for how he's catching the ball out here. A lot of experts have just made their mind up he's going to play defensive end uh, in college, and that that very much may be true. I understand the argument for him to play defensive line in college, 
But right now, he's playing tight end, and just watching him athletically play tight end uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, he very soft hands. He's had a much better week this week uh, playing with pads on in practice than he did at the opening up in Oakland uh, where he kind of fought the ball and just didn't have a great day. So it's been good to watch him up here. You get to really see his athleticism and his skill level. For a guy who's 270 pounds, he moves extremely well. All right, well, let's jump into some of the questions here, Gerard, because there's been some recruiting news as well. Uh, Eric and Downey says, why is it that this recruiting cycle, we're having three-star recruits decommit, as the recent one, the defensive end from La Mirada High School. In the past, any three-star recruit who got an offer would commit and then stick with it. Are there, pe- are, are there people getting in these kids' heads? Or with all the BS that around Hayden has done the past few months, does it now make USC not a top-flight program? Love your website. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thanks and fight on. Eric and Downey. You know, every recruitment is different and every decommitment and commitment is different. And so you have to look at it for the specifics. And we're talking about Keanu Saliapaga, not, you know, other decommitments because they're all different. They're all different. I mean, I can name every one of them and tell you had a different plot and sub story and, you know, all these different angles to it. This one was mainly about Keanu Saliapaga being a bit of a project. He came into USC's lineman camp, had a very good camp, big body, 6'5", 265 pounds, a guy that was a developmental guy, but because there's not a ton of great defensive linemen on the West Coast, he was a guy USC was willing to take a flyer on. Now, that was on the field. Off the field, they also took a flyer on him. Off the field, he had a lot of work to do in the classroom. It was kind of similar to the Noah Jefferson situation. A defensive tackle out of Henderson, Nevada last year. He was a guy with a lot of good physical talent, but he had a lot of work to do in the classroom. Sally Pog was in the same situation, and that work in the classroom hasn't really gotten done. And so I think with the coaching changes, and I think you're seeing maybe a shift in the front for USC, very possible they could run the 4-3. We talked about it with Clancy Pendergast. He's done both. Um, if they have four down linemen, I think maybe you know they want to go in a different direction. But also off the field, this was a situation where, at the very least, we can say that this was a parting of ways. It was a mutual decommitment. Uh, this was not Keanu Saliapaga saying, you know what, I'm tired of Pat Hayden. I'm going to go to Arizona State. No, that's not what happened here. He wasn't disgruntled over any coaching hirings or firings. This was USC basically saying, look at you know, we, we wanted you to get this much work done. Uh, you weren't able to get all these classes in. We want to go in another direction uh, because, you know, football-wise, maybe you don't match up with what we're doing, but also, you know, kind of off the field, um, we need to go in another direction to make sure that they get 20, 21 actual commitments in this class. People forget USC still trying to get to that 85, man. They're right. still clawing and trying to get back to having 85 full scholarship players on the roster. And so uh, it still matters. You know, it's not as significant as it's been in the previous years, but it's still significant that they get everything out of every one of those rides that they have available. All right, we got Jay Douglas has a few different questions, so we'll kind of we'll go through them pretty quick, I think. Um, first one is, what can you tell us about the recent JUCO offers to Kay White and Jay Kongbo? Will they trip? Kongbo should trip. Um, now, a lot of people are excited about Kongbo because he just decommitted from Tennessee and it comes on the heels of his USC offer. 
Um, but he is from the Northwest, and a lot of people actually feel like Washington may be the school to beat. Um, USC's definitely in there. They're definitely trying to work a little bit, and they do have a shot. And um, it would be um, not a great surprise if he came back to the West Coast. But like I said, I, I think Washington is definitely in there. He has a trip to Alabama the 15th that he's still going to take too. And Tennessee fans are really rooting for USC <laughs> to be able to get him because they don't want to see him at Tennessee as a guy, you know, 6'5", 250, 260-pound, uh, another sort of a rush-end guy. And again, we've seen a large amount of offers now. I mean, the majority of these offers to defensive linemen are, are, are guys that are sort of in that 250-pound, 260-pound range. So you're seeing a lot of these guys that either they're going to develop into three techniques or they're going to be five techniques, which are strong def- strong side defensive ends. And that's really more what you're recruiting for, a 4-3 defense. If you're recruiting for a 3-4, you really need to get those 300-pound guys. Uh, I mean, you look at Alabama and you got Ashawn, Robinson, uh, all those guys across the line, they're all 300 pounds. I mean, it, it, your defensive ends are 100, 300 pounds, and your nose guard is 330 pounds. And so it, these guys are a little more athletic. They're a little leaner. And so it really gives you the sense that USC probably wants to run more of a four-man front with a 4-3. And like I said, with Clancy Pendergast, you could still sort of run a three-man front, and, but it's really more of a four-man, 4-3 four, under uh, philosophy defensively. Uh, his second part is Will Samisi Luakai, Boss Tagaloa, and Lakey Fotu official, officially visit as well. Samisi Luaki, yes, he will Olaki. officially visit. Um, I believe that's a January 15th visit off the top of my head. I'm sure it's on Scout, our visit uh, pull down menu. Um, I, I think with uh, Fatu, is supposed to visit January 22nd. Um, so he's going to be the week after. Uh, they should get visits really from all those guys. The 15th is going to be the big commit weekend. That's when they're going to bring their guys in that will be graduating in May and June. Um, really all the rest of the committed recruits, guys like Tyler Vaughns and Frank Martin, um, they're going to come in and then they're going to bring in uh, some of the local guys as well. So it's going to be a, a big recruiting weekend. The 22nd is going to be pretty big too. Keep an eye on the peristyle and the war room for more info on this. That weekend is developing into being a very intriguing uh, visit weekend as well. And really, you know, when you've got coaching changes and you're still trying to make hires, you know, USC's probably going to have to use all three weekends to bring in visitors. Last year, they actually used the last weekend. Um, I, I think it was the last weekend. It might have been the second to last weekend. Uh, they used that to actually do a junior day. I don't think you're going to have that this this year. I, I think they got to use every one of these last three weekends. You've got the 15th, the 22nd, and the 30th, all for official visits to try to close this class out strong. His last one is, now that Brandon Burton from Sarah has been offered, what's keeping him from committing? That he has other offers and other schools that have recruited him much harder for much longer. Um, USC offered Brandon Burton a scholarship years ago. Uh, he was, I think, a freshman or going into being a freshman. And kind of recruited him, recruited him, and then they backed off of him really, you know, kind of like the end of last year and, and didn't think he could play receiver at USC, uh, kind of told them as much, and he, want, he wanted to play receiver really, I think, most of all back then. His attitude may have changed here, I think, in the last few months, and he's looking at himself maybe more as a safety than he ever did, and that's where USC is recruiting him. So he's, he's starting to come back around to USC and, and, and should probably give them a, a visit. I don't know if they'll get an official visit 
that's still sort of up in the air. It might happen, might not happen, but he'll visit uh, nonetheless. Uh, you know, Jack Jones is not going to officially visit USC either, but he'll be up at USC certainly uh, to meet Clancy Pendergast and probably the defensive backs coach that they hire. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's just really one of those things that there's, you know, UCLA has been on them hard. Uh, Florida State's been on him hard. Those schools have recruited him pretty much relentlessly uh, for the past couple of years. And USC took a big time out from recruiting Brandon Burton. And so, um, you know, it's understandable that uh, they sort of have a little bit uh, of ground to make up at this point. Okay. Thanks for those questions. Let's go to Paul in Vegas. He said, out of roughly 25 new scholarships this class, which is actually not true because there's going to only actually be 20 because USC brought in five blue shirts for the class of 2015 that counted for the class of 2016. So really only 20, but he's saying for 25, should we, in your opinion, be taking 10 or more linemen? We get our choice of top skill players, but games and championships are won in the trenches. If we were to recruit top linemen nationwide, as well as securing the best in the West, we might have a better defense, which basically sucked last year, he said, and a a deeper offensive line, which always has injuries. I'm interested if Gerard has a similar view of emphasizing linemen in this class and going forward. Thanks, Fight On, from Paul in Vegas. I think going forward, you can definitely emphasize linemen more. I think at this point, it's a little too late in the game to make some grand, drastic uh, change in your in your recruiting tactics. And, and I mean, they, they have made some change, and they've obviously recruited the defensive line a lot harder. I mean, they've I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say probably there's been six or seven defensive linemen that have been offered scholarships since Clay Helton took over as interim coach. So they've made a change there, and they're definitely trying to bring in definitely more defensive linemen than they set out beforehand. I think you could definitely see five, perhaps maybe even six defensive linemen um, that they signed in the 2016 class. Now, again, we're talking about schematics, and we're talking about is is you know is Olawale Betuku is he really a defensive lineman in this class or is he an outside linebacker? So that you can kind of sort of have a blurred line there, but I, I think you know five six solid guys that could put their hand in the ground I think is definitely possible in this class, and that's been a change. That was a change from where they were during the summer. That was a change from where USC was recruiting in September. Now with the offensive line, maybe they bring in a third guy. We talked about this previously. Uh, Cole Cabrell is a guy, uh, you know, uh, Los Osos center who's committed to uh, Arizona State, about 6'4", 6'5", 265 pounds, a guy that USC offered um, early in the process, but kind of went with Max Martin and, and Nathan Smith, and that was pretty much who they were settled with, with two at that point. And now there sort of seems like they might be open to taking another offensive lineman if he's the best player available. So, uh, we'll see that, but that's only three offensive linemen. So you're not making this huge. We're going to get ten, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> counting both sides of the ball. You're not going to get the ten in this class. Now going forward, perhaps um, I think that that's going to depend a lot on what Neil Callaway wants to do, how much he wants to stand on the table. You know, we saw it with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was not big on recruiting, you know, four or five linemen every year. Um, In fact, it was quite the opposite. And, and, you know, I talked to Pat Rule about it several times and said, you know, Pat, you you really don't have a lot of depth on the offensive line. You guys really don't go out there and just recruit bodies to make sure you have bodies. And really, it was explained to me that, you know what, if an offensive lineman doesn't work out and he just ends up not being a good player, you can't really put him anywhere else. You know, where do you put a guard that just can't play for you, that you you just – 
you know, hey, we thought he was good and he's he's not good anymore. He's just going to sit there. He's dead weight on the roster. Whereas you go over recruit receivers, you can go put him on the defensive side of the ball as cornerbacks or safeties. You over recruit with safeties, you can bulk them up and make them outside linebackers. You got outside linebackers that you recruit and they end up not being fast enough. You bulk them up, you make them defensive ends, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a philosophy of we can move the pieces of the puzzle around a little bit of their positions, but on the offensive line, those guys are kind of stuck there. And even in in the sense of recruiting linemen, they would over-recruit the defensive line before they over-recruit the offensive line because they could bring some of those guys over. And we saw Alex Parsons, um, you know, he came over. We saw Butch, uh, Butch Lewis. Yeah. He came over. Those guys were defensive linemen that ended up going to the offensive line. And so, um, philosophically, you know, it's going to depend on the coaches and, and how hard they push. I think Clay Helton... From a from from just a projection standpoint, I could see him pushing to have more offensive linemen and perhaps more defensive linemen in each class because he wants to be physical. He wants to basically be Stanford. I mean, he's talking about being more aggressive and being more physical, and that being something that you know in every conversation is sort of uh, you know kind of key words that he's dropping there. And so, in order to do that, obviously, you got to bring in more linemen. So, it's uh, certainly something I could see happening in the future, just not in the immediate future of this class. By signing day, they're going to bring in, you know, 9, 10 linemen in this class. All right. Uh, Paul in Vegas says, uh, I understand that there's a limit on how many coaches any team can have. Yeah, you can have, you know, a full-time head coach and nine permanent assistants that can go out recruiting. So my question is, with teams like USC and Stanford that recruit nationally, how does that work out? Our recruiting time is spread thinner with the same number of coaches working a, working a much larger uh, area with many more players to evaluate and sell the program to. That's from Paul in Vegas. Yeah, I think a lot of the top programs, though, do recruit nationally to some extent. Uh, Alabama's out here. They're recruiting. They're trying to get Jack Jones in on an official visit. Um, same with Ohio State. They'll recruit out here and try to get guys in official visits. Um, obviously, if you're recruiting in the SEC, a majority of your prospects are going to be from the SEC. You don't have to maybe go as far. You know, you're going to Florida, you're going to Georgia, and if you're in Alabama, that's not that far. Uh, if you're in California and you want to go to Florida, obviously that's across the country. So yeah, there's a little bit of an advantage to that. Um, but I I think USC wants to continue to be a national name, and they want to continue to sort of further that brand. Um, Pete Carroll was literally one of the first coaches that kind of made it trendy to be a national name just to be a national name. You know, USC, I think, felt like they were successful recruiting kid just getting a hat on the table in some situations. It was like, yeah, USC's there. You know, USC is a part of the narrative with every top kid, and they took a little bit of pride in that. I think the coaching staff wants to get back to that. Now, at the same time, there's something to be said for finding guys in your area and finding guys and being able to develop those guys. Um, there's a lot of overlooked players in California and, um, you know, you, you can get enamored with the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, there's this guy in Florida and he's a five-star guy and he's this and he's that. And you're going, well, gosh, you know, I mean, you don't see him every week. You're seeing huddle film and you're basically evaluating more on hearsay than you are seeing that guy. And in the other kind of the, the the opposite holds true too, where you see a local guy so much, you start looking at the flaws more than you start appreciating the things he does well. Uh, the analogy that I was given by a coach once was, you can go into a cathedral and you can look up at the ceiling and it has this beautiful mosaic. 
And if you go there as a tourist and you go there, you know, maybe once every three or four years, you're just amazed by this mosaic and how beautiful it is. But if you work there and you go there every day, the first thing you're going to see when you go in there every day is the missing tile. And go, <laughs> God, man, why don't they fix that one missing tile? And that's sort of with recruiting. You can go into it and start to see a kit too much, and it comes, it becomes paralysis by overanalysis. So you, you have to balance it. You have to find the guys that you really like. Um, and you know about that are outside the region and really trust in your evaluation with those guys and not just go by anybody's writing on an internet blog or what you've heard from some coaching friend and, and really kind of know what you're getting into and how that player fits with your program. But at the same time, you got to protect your region. When you're in a region like Southern California and that you've got a lot of good recruits, you've got to protect it and you got to find guys in that region. And, and I will give credit to Steve Sarkeesian's staff you know, the guys that were there and the guys that are no longer there, they did try to really find guys like Keanu Saliapaga. He may still end up being a very good player. He's a guy that was a developmental guy that they really saw at alignment camp and they felt like he was a big body that they could develop and get in their program. And maybe he wasn't going to play right away, but, you know, as a, as a redshirt sophomore, junior, maybe he ends up being a guy that can contribute and be really good for him. I mean, you've seen that with Michigan State. We are talking about their offensive line and how they have so many redshirt uh, seniors on that team. And, and you know what? That's one of those things that you know, Nebraska used to do back in the, the day. And, and everybody wants to talk about the guys that are like freshmen that are going to make impacts early. But some of these teams, they've got some experience and they've got uh, grown men playing for them up front. And so USC has to be able to do that too. The development angle of all this is is extremely important. I agree 100% on that one, Gerard. And uh, those are our recruiting questions. We've got one last one, kind of team thing, but it has to do with Clancy Pendergast. So we can we started the show with, yeah. with Clancy. Let's end it with Clancy. Um, this is Ron from Northern Virginia. He says, I'm hoping that Clancy has accepted the job as our defensive coordinator by the time you read this. When Clancy was here before, I believe USC led the conference in total defense. Do you have any insight into why he left when Sark arrived? Was it as simple as Sark wanting to bring in Justin Wilcox despite how well the defense was playing? Do you have any official or unofficial insights into why Clancy left in 2013? Love the show. Fight on from Ron. Yes, yes. I think that was it. It was pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, He didn't leave. He was fired. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I I think that, um, you know, Sark had his guys and had a vision and felt like uh, he wanted to continue that vision that he had at Washington and they had come to a certain point and with USC's players they could sort of get over the hump of the 7-8 wins and obviously he was incorrect about that at least in the short amount of time he had to be the head coach at USC um, and that was something that was unfortunate because yeah Clancy Pendergast and Ed Erdron and, and, and obviously Ed Erdron they talked about bringing him back but just the staff as a whole was was very good in 2013 they did a good job despite the offensive woes I mean the offense did not help them out in 2013 at all um you would have liked to have seen maybe them give, you know, Clancy a, a long look, but it definitely seemed like, yeah, Justin Wilcox is coming down. At that point, it was just a matter of uh, Washington firing him. And in that case, there was a buyout because he was being paid by Washington. And in order to leave, you know, USC didn't want to have to have to pay him to, to actually go. So um, that's not true uh, from what you say, Ryan, with the NFL. And so uh, it, it may be just a matter of informalities uh, to get things done with uh with him signing and, and actually, you know, being announced officially. 
USC doesn't usually do those, those things quickly. They don't, like, if they kind of get a handshake, they usually wait until something's signed, sealed, and delivered. They go through all the proper channels. And yeah, all they stuff. didn't even really break any news when they put the Neil Calloway, uh, Tyson Helton, uh, you know, announcement out. That, that, you know, we all sort of knew Tyson Helton was going to be a guy, and uh, our, our Western Kentucky University publisher actually broke the news that Neil Calloway was coming with him. And so that was sort of out there unofficially. And then uh, the the Coach Brahms at Western Kentucky was the guy that actually tweeted out <laughs> that they were leaving the program yeah. a couple of days later. And then USC was like, oh, I guess we can probably put it out now since, you know, Western Kentucky has basically put it out. So, yeah, it, it the official announcement is not necessarily, you know, something that uh, you, you hold your breath for these days. All right. Well, I think it's going to wrap it up here. From our little hotel room in San Antonio, Texas. Hope you guys enjoyed this little impromptu uh, podcast talking about the latest recruiting stuff. But thanks for coming on, Gerard. It's good stuff. Yeah, there's a, a ton of recruiting ahead of us. You know, obviously we're going to be through this dead period here pretty soon, and uh, we're going to get going. The 15th is really when it starts to take off. That's going to be the first official visit weekend out of the dead period. And uh, I'm just, you know, I just actually pulled up the uh, the visit list. Uh, for the fifteenth, and I mean, it's 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 looking pretty good. Uh, USC's um, they're going to have to close, and it's going to have to kind of start with uh, that weekend. And you're talking about guys like uh, you know we talked about Byron Murphy, but Connor Murphy, uh, the other defensive end from uh, from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Or excuse me, he's from like Phoenix. Phoenix, right? Yeah. You know, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's like a stone throws away, but uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, he's actually Trent Murphy's brother, the uh, the former outside linebacker from Stanford, who's now playing for the Washington Redskins. He's a he's a really good looking player, six five, two fifty. We saw him at the opening. Tremendous talent. Uh, you got Lavert Hill, who we actually talked to this week, um, coming in from uh, Detroit, Michigan, cornerback. Uh, long shot for USC. Just talking to him, I I don't think USC has the best shot at him. I think he's probably going to stay at Michigan. Um, you also got uh, Rashad Gary, number one player in the country, defensive tackle at a Paramus Catholic High School in New Jersey. Uh, a guy that um, again USC probably, you know, not the greatest chance. His mom talked a little bit about him having a top two. Didn't name any schools. A lot of people feel like it's a Michigan Ohio State battle. Um, it is. You know, I mean, USC is <laughs> definitely kind of on the outside looking in. But, you know, uh, you never know what happens with, with uh, you know. Official things. visits, crazy yeah, things. Yeah, you know, they, again, you could hire some defensive line coach that, uh, you know, mom's known and the kid knows and they have this great relationship and bada boom, bada bing. Um, but it definitely, the 15th is going to be uh, a big weekend for USC. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple more uh, added to this visitor list uh, as the week goes on. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up with a little uh, recap visit of the the vis- recap of the recruiting visitors. Um, so definitely check out our website, peristylepodcast.com, is where all the podcasts are. USCfootball.com, where all the information is for USCfootball.com. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.